Good afternoon and welcome. Three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben True, PJ Bennett will join us here in just a little bit as we come to you live from the Westin on Jekyll Island. As uh, Ben, we get ready for your Florida, your third annual Florida Georgia Legends Series. So uh, looking forward to uh, to that as uh, we're going to have a great time coming up starting at 7 o'clock out here uh, looking Oceanside uh, here in the courtyard at the uh, the Western. We're broadcast live just feet from where you're going to have the uh, the roundtable, Ben, and our, our first guest who will be joining us, uh, joining you in the roundtable later tonight uh, from uh, right here in uh, in the coast of Georgia, in Brunswick, Georgia, played at the University of Georgia, was uh, picked by the Chicago Bears in the third round. Willie McClendon uh, joining us here. Willie, thanks for, for stopping by and joining us. How are you? Well, doing well. Appreciate you coming by. Just obviously, this is a unique uh, spot for for Georgia and Florida. Larry Munson made this area uh, famous uh, uh, for for Georgia and Florida weekend. Uh, what was the Georgia and Florida weekend like when you went to Georgia? What did you kind of think of it when you went there versus what it's kind of continued to become and grow into here? Well, actually, it I can predate that <laughs> uh, growing up here in the area and. Being so close to the game, uh, getting into college sports in junior high school, high school, absolutely. So I recognized earlier that it was a great game, uh, being so close to Jacksonville. Then being involved with it on the collegiate er er uh, aspect of it was truly outstanding. And once again, that was coming back home uh, near Brunswick, Jacksonville, so that always added a little excitement to the game, family uh, being close, and then uh, watching it grow to where it is now, the continued growth. Uh, we all know that in general, the winner of this game goes on to win the SEC East and uh, compete nationally. And Willie, just talk about the fact, Taylor, you mentioned uh, understanding that what this game is and how it continues to grow. Florida, Georgia is different. Georgia, Florida, we, you know, uh, if you are a Georgia uh, fan and uh, <laughs> oh, Georgia, I was Georgia lover. And <laughs> <laughs> but 2021, even back from when you played, from when I played, this game continues to go this way. Regardless, obviously Georgia is number one this season, but it really don't matter what Georgia's ranked. It don't, really don't matter what Florida's ranked. Just talk about how much – you know, this game means not just to us, but just to college football in general. It's going to be 3.30 on Saturday. I was blessed enough to play in the night game, and they got and they got away from that. But just talk about how the Florida-Georgia game has, has grown to be loved, not just by Florida-Georgia lovers of, of, the, of the individual schools, but just how college football embraces it. Well, there's a great argument to be made that this is the best college rivalry throughout the nation every year the intensity, people on the West Coast, they pick up on it, once again because of the significance of going to the play in the national championship and then the, the rivalry between the two states, the two state universities. It's just outstanding. Biggest rivalry, college football, period. Did you understand that when you got into it? I mean, I know you knew about the game, but when that, that first time going to Jacksonville, you're like, okay, this is, I knew about it, but this might be a little something extra than even I thought. Well, once again, it's on, on, the, on, on our college experience, and I'm pretty sure Ben experienced this also. Our coaches always harped on us the importance of going, of winning, winning, you know, the East, winning the conference championship. Right. 
that was first. So the significance has always been there as far as the, the, the players on the field and moving forward. But, but here we are once again, uh, 2020, and it's a national game, national interest every year. Uh, with You hear about the coming schedule for, for next year, you know this Saturday is going to be CBS 330. <laughs> right. Now, 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 Willie, you got royal families. You know, you got royal families in certain schools. When it come to Ole Miss, you got the Mannings. Uh, at the University of Florida, you got the Jacksons, Willie Jackson Sr., Willie Jackson Jr., Terry Jackson. I played with their sister, Ashley. But when you talk about Georgia now, the McClendon name is pretty significant. Talk about just the McClendon legacy at the University of Georgia. Uh, I don't know how to <laughs> – I can't explain it. I was just a – 18-year-old knucklehead like all the other individuals that had an opportunity to go to college. Uh, I accepted a scholarship at the University of Georgia. Uh, life moves on. Uh, brothers are blessed with athletic ability. Uh, well, I can't say. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, it was uh, because of that experience and then my kids growing up living the UGA alumni thing, uh, having my son to participate in it as a college athlete, that was outstanding. Uh, my brother, my brother Tyrone, uh, two years of junior college, and then his two years experience at UGA. And, and, and really goes back to mom. She was the biggest University of Georgia football fan in America. She just loved her Bulldogs. Uh, it started with her, and as I tell a lot of people on the recruiting tra- trail, uh, uh, Mom made me go to the University of Georgia, <laughs> and that's that's because they had a 11 o'clock curfew. You know, I was going to be in my dorm room at 11 o'clock. They had a dormitory where where the food hall, like where the hall had its own cafeteria. And so she, the, the University of Georgia football coaches made her confident that I would be where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be and be taken care of. And I wanted to go to Tech, uh, took a look at University of South Carolina. Uh, she didn't want her 18-year-old kid in Atlanta. <laughs> and then all the University of Georgia coaches got so in, 11 o'clock curfew, 11 o'clock <laughs> <Yeah>. curfew. <laughs> so that's how it started. And you, you mentioned the, the, Ben mentioned the McClendon name there. You left out uh, Warren. Warren. Warren is a, uh, has really been uh, outstanding. Uh, but once again, uh, uh, his dad's my youngest brother. He and his wife, they have done one tremendous job of uh, that kid where he is, number one, academically, outstanding student, always have been. But to to watch him grow and play, and I love watching him play also. Uh, he's one of those to-the-whistle guys. Uh, ben, he knows what I mean. You stand around <laughs> that pile if you want to. <laughs> I know, listen, you don't, you, don't, I mean, you don't have to worry about me standing around no piles, and if I am, you know, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's but, right. Uh, That's right. Well, you know, you – I reached, I reached out to you back in 20, 2019 when I did my first Florida Georgia Legend Series, and you told Correct. me, Ben, 
when you have another one, I'm going to be here. What are you What are you most looking forward to with the roundtable? Yourself, myself, Carlos Alvarez, DJ Jones, and D-Webb, D and, you know, Jeff Chandler. I know what I'm looking forward to, and that's just sitting back and listen to, listening to the stories, but what are you most looking forward to at the roundtable? Getting to know all the guys, because we all have basically the same experiences. We're from different communities throughout uh, in different states. Hearing their stories and getting a chance to meet Carlos Alvarez. So I was so uh, glad to see that he was going to be in attendance. And once again, growing up here in Brunswick, I saw the Ray Graves football show. And Carlos Alvarez was big-time receiver, and I adored him. So once again, just <laughs> meeting someone else along the line that I've admired and watched growing up play. Well, I mean, uh, let me be the first to tell you, Willie, got a chance to interview Carlos yesterday. And I, I, I'm blessed. I mean, I, I tell you all the time, I'm blessed to do what I do every day. And I'm sitting here trying to act as if this is a Carlos Alvarez right, that, right, that I'm talking right, to. Right. And uh, and obviously, I don't want to say the wrong thing. He's a lawyer by trade, so I don't want to get no summons. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to get you know summons. But I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I Look, I, I'm looking forward to getting to know you. You know, Carlos, I got a chance to know him. But these stories are so unique. I am not going to tell Carlos' story. He told me and BJ some stuff yesterday that I just – but. Football brings us together. Georgia, Florida, Florida, Georgia. It's a chance for us to kind of see each other because we hear about each other, know about each other, never met each other. Correct. So it's my, it's my duty, humble obligation to bring us together. And I call it the Legend Series for a reason. Listen, whether you are a SEC Player of the Year or you a guy that was just, you know, pardon my French, tired as hell when I played in 2002 <laughs> and was able to get bailed out, this is why I do – the Legends Roundtable, because I think when we get together, they think it's going to be, you know, they think it's going to be trash talk. But no, man, it's a humble respect because, Willie, you can attest to this. The hardest thing to do is to not go to University of Georgia. It's to make it on the field on Saturday because your biggest competition is not the guy in front of you. It's coming out of your own meeting room. Correct. Absolutely. Every day. And, the and he may be your roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Speak about the playing running back there at Georgia. You see a long line of guys who have uh, played the position. Uh, Georgia's loaded at running back. Uh, now you got two, three, four, five guys that can really carry the football. What does it mean to be a part of that kind of legacy of running backs there at, uh, at Georgia? Well, it, it got started long ago with Charlie Trippy, uh, Frankie Sinkwich, Racehorse Davis. You go on and on. Kevin McClee. You go on and on. And uh, I guess a lot of it could be the football coach's philosophy in winning, predominantly that era, running game, control the ball. Control the ball. So that, pretty, that, that probably had some things to do with it. But it the, the legacy has continued, and uh, they recruit on it. They recruit telling guys they get a chance to play at UGA, uh, be a Heisman Trophy candidate, first-round draft choice. It works. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> and, Willie, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this probably a lot tonight, but while I have you here, you talk about – and my mama, my mama told me I'm going to the University of Florida as well. So when people ask me why I went, well, mama told me first. So right, that right. was my recruitment. Right. But what does what – does, all these years later – 
so many, so many great memories, teammates, moments. What does going to the University of Georgia mean to Willie McClendon? Wow. So, State University, uh, there are University of Georgia graduates in every county, every city in this great state of ours. When I was in college, politicians, business leaders, uh, and then once again, having my son to uh, participate and feel that, my brother, nephew, uh, uh, what can you say? It's, it's a great feeling. Absolutely. Willie, I, I am so happy that they, they didn't use you to recruit me because I would have been in a bad situation. I was like, I'm not going to be telling <laughs> Willie McClendon no. But I, but I will say this. this. This great game has given me far more than I can ever give it. I mean, I, I'm from Swainsboro, Georgia. I got a chance. You know, Vince Dooley, right? Well, I had Jim, Jim Donnan. It was Jim Donnan versus Steve Spurrier. Willie, you know I made the right choice, man. I mean, y'all, y'all right. look at me like, but at the same time, That's at right. the same time, Willie, I see what these questions do to you. Like, because you've done these things, but when I ask you what it means to you, pause, because I think that's what people don't get. It's like, look, listen, I didn't pick Florida over Georgia. I had options of both. Correct. So I don't, I don't think the one is more prestigious than the next. People, are you? No, at the end, thank God I was athlete because I wasn't getting it academically. Right. Neither one <laughs> of them. So let's let's call it what it is, but. We get a chance to say, man, Ron Zook, my last, my coach, my last few years at Florida, said, Ben, the greatest thing you could ever be called is a has-been. Because, I mean, at one time, you was the one everybody came to see. Florida, Georgia is, for one time, what you played in the four years, one year, everybody is coming to see you. And orange and blue, red and black, you know, uh, ticket burials, because Florida got one extra ticket. They don't want to have one extra seat. Talk about <laughs> Florida or Georgia, Florida, knowing that, look, Bigger than national championships and winning the East. At the end of the day, we kind of need each other more than we give each other credit for. Yes. <laughs> well, you don't want to be on the losing end for 365 days, that's for sure. <laughs> and if you are on the winning end, yeah, you want to rub it in. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we owe you guys. <laughs> Going to be coming in a big way uh, yeah. tomorrow. Willie McClendon, our guest here on 3 and Out. He'll be with Ben uh, for the roundtable coming up right here at the Weston on Jekyll Island starting at 7 p.m. There you go. And welcome back here to 3 and Out on this Friday. Coming to you live from the Weston on Jekyll Island out here in the courtyard. Absolutely Beautiful afternoon, going to give way to a beautiful evening as we get set for the third annual Florida-Georgia Legends Series, uh, Ben. It should be a, a fun night tonight, uh, and we already heard some uh, great uh, stories there with Willie McClendon. I'll let you introduce our next guest here. I know uh, a guy you were looking forward to talking to, so I'll, I'll let you bring him on here with us. I'm always, I'm always uh, you know, uh, humble to be uh, be with my next guest. I, <laughs> I mean, I call him the golden leg, uh, what, all-American, all-SEC, Florida-Georgia game, uh, Hall of Fame. 2016, and Doug D was blessed enough to go on there together. But what you don't know about my next guest is mother and father were Georgia fans, and was able to put and listen, put up the put up the put up the uh, the red and black for five years, you know, to 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 to, uh, to uh, celebrate their son, the great 
Jeff Chandler. What's going on with you today, Jeff? Hey, Ben. Good to see you. Yeah, I struggled for uh, <laughs> five years to try and get my parents to wear as much Gator stuff as they could. But uh, they were great fans for, for that time, and uh, I appreciate them for it. Now, Jeff, you know, this is, you know, uh, blessed enough to have my third annual Florida Georgia Legends Series. You was you was a part of the inaugural uh, uh, Florida Georgia Legends Series, Legends Roundtable. When you think about former former Gators, former former Bulldogs, just sitting at the same table, they think they think we finna be over there. You know, they think your wife gonna be over there. You know, getting your shoulders ready like we finna fight. No, it's <laughs> it's a healthy respect we have for one another. Cause I always say that I feel as though Georgia brought out the best in me. You you being a kicker, you're. Just the life of a kicker is just different anyway. You might not get but one kick, two kick, and it, it don't matter if it's 40 or 50. Hey, Jeff got to go out there and get it. How much did you admire the kickers from Georgia? Because I'm pretty sure you guys knew of each other. Yeah, uh, they had some really, really good kickers when uh, during my time there. And, um, you know, that was sort of the uh, the respect before the game. You get out there and kind of compare notes and, hey, good season so far. There's a lot of that. There's not so much, uh, you know, intensity, if you will, before the game on our end. We don't need to get fired up to get to get ready for a game. So it was more, more about staying calm, staying focused, and yeah, a lot of admiration. There, there were guys that kicked at Georgia um, prior to me going to Florida that that I remember, and just you know, very strong, very very good kickers. So yeah, I think there was a, a, a very healthy mutual respect between. Um, myself and, and kickers at Georgia during my time. And the kickers are like a, a good small fraternity, right? Because nobody else understands what y'all are going through except that, that close group of guys. Everybody else is like, what, you can't just go out there and knock one down for 45? Like, what's the big deal? Is that, like, is, is that kind of how it is? Like, it's a good fraternity amongst kickers. Yeah, we speak a different language <laughs> than uh, most football players. Um, certainly our jobs are a lot different. It's more about staying composed and staying, you know, staying calm. Uh, very similar to like a quarterback, if you will. You know, you can't be too hyped, you can't be too low, right? You got to kind of stay right in the middle. And so, uh, being able to th- sort of throttle that up and down, um, you know, is, is something I prided myself on: is not getting too high when things were going well, and then also not getting too low when things were going bad. But yeah, certainly, uh, you know, being able to share experiences. Kickers have ever, every single kicker has missed field goals. They've missed game winners. They've made game winners. So, being able to share those experiences with uh, with other uh, athletes that uh, that we used to play against was certainly a highlight. And Jeff, obviously, being you was blessed enough to be able to go into the Florida Georgia Game Hall of Fame together. I remember your speech, and you know, I got choked up. You got choked up. I said, "Well, I got to go behind Jeff, man. I, it's already bad." <laughs> but what is it? What is it like getting recognized? Because you know, we go out there and play. Look, I, I'll take the accolades, but that's not why I'm doing it. What is it like to get that call? Because I know what I felt like when they called me, well, number one, when they called me and told me I'm a Florida Georgia Game Hall of Fame, I'm like, yeah, I got some, yeah, you guys, yeah, you you, you went deep for the jokes this time. <laughs> but what is that feeling like knowing that it's one thing for you to go out there and do what you were saying you to do, but to be enshrined in a game that had to mean the world to you? It did, and I think about this a lot, Ben, that moment that we both shared together, being on stage and talking about what this game meant to us, what being a Gator meant to us, uh, my background growing up on the other side of the rivalry, like, and then playing this game in my hometown where I grew up, there was just so many different connection points there. And, yeah, I got choked up. I, I, I wish I wouldn't have now looking back at it. Or I wish I wouldn't have just, you know, not stopped talking. I wish I would have sort of powered through it, and I think about that a lot. But, yeah, the emotion of – of you know getting this award and and being recognized like that i never look i was a walk-on i i was happy if i got to kick one extra point and i could say i got to put on the jersey but then as things start to to, to happen you you never really think about well, what's going to happen next right 
But my dad used to always say, my dad was a track athlete at Georgia, he used to say, the older I get, the better I was. And so, like, now that I've got kids and it's it's fun to be able to take them back to a place and say, look at your dad, you know? Like, I'm not just the guy yelling at you all the time to do your homework. <laughs> like, I was a pretty good athlete. I did some things in life. And so I, I appreciate being able to, to do that now. I certainly wasn't – that wasn't a goal when I started kicking. Like, I, I have this goal of being in the Hall of Fame or doing anything like that. I was just wanted to be a great teammate. I wanted to help the Gators win. And then sort of all the other stuff you can't really control. You know, a lot of it is, you know, being in the right place or playing during the right time and, and having a couple things fall in your favor. And, and I, I felt like I capitalized on the opportunities that came to me. And the Hall of Fame is a result of that, and I'm – uh, incredibly grateful to that. I mean, like I said, it's it's in my hometown, the game I grew up going to. Uh, it, it's an incredibly important um, recognition for me for me to have that. So, what was it like kicking in that game in in that stadium? I know the fifty fifty split. Now it's almost like, hey, they give you a center point. There's right in the middle of the, the uprights. There's red and there's blue, right? <laughs> right. But but what was uh, what was the environment like kicking in that in that game? Your hometown, as you said, uh, obviously big moments happening in that game every single year. But what was that, that, that those moments like for you to, to kick there in Jacksonville? Yeah, it's it's not a home game. It's not an away game. It's yeah. right in the middle. Yeah. Like you, It's not as loud as if you're playing at Neyland Stadium or at LSU, and it's not as quiet as if you're kicking at home. So, yeah. so there's a little bit of a, a difference there. But I love – you know, I love the fact that the stadium is split right down the middle. It's a, such a cool visual. Um, it's it's just an incredible atmosphere. And then sort of everything that goes on around the outside of the game and and is what makes this game unique and, and special. Uh, it's just, you know, I remember driving in from the team hotel. We'd drive in on the bus. We'd come in over the bridge, and you'd just see, you know, just piles and piles of people packed up around the stadium, you know, that had been there since 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning. And, it is. Uh, it's an incredible atmosphere, and and uh, we used to. The game would be over at. You know, we'd kick off at three thirty. The game would get get over about seven thirty. We'd have about an hour and a half, two hour drive back to Gainesville. There'd be a couple guys that would get in cars and drive back to Jacksonville just to continue the party. <laughs> so, um, I remember doing that a handful of times. But I always had a place to stay uh, up in Jacksonville, so I didn't have to worry about finding a hotel or bunking up with anybody. Jeff, when, you know, there is look. I tell I tell you this all the time. People talk, people talk about skill positions. And I say, well, it's only three of them. I'm like, what do you mean? Long snappers, punters, kickers. Those, those are skill positions because if the, if the starting punter goes out, the kicker got to be the punter. If the punter goes out, it's vice versa. And you don't want me long snapping. But when you hit that thing, like a perfect kick, like you hit it, like you don't know if it's going to go through, but in your mind, man, I hit that thing. What is it like? Like great snap, a good, and you just watching that thing and – because you, you wasn't one of those guys, you know, you got the kicker, they kind of lean a little bit. You never move. Like, what is a perfect moment or a perfect kick to Jeff Chandler? Yeah, you can feel it instantly off your foot. You don't even have to look up. You you know exactly how everything uh, is going to fly if you hit it correctly. Everything happens in uh, 1.2, 1.3 seconds. So that's from the time the ball snapped to the time the ball's crossed the line of scrimmage. So. It, it, it's uh, it's almost like a dance, if you will. It's a it's a rhythm that you have to get into, where it's the snap, the hold, and the kick. And we we spent a lot of time practicing that. My job was just merely the last part of that, and the one that got all the credit. But I couldn't have done it without the the, the snappers and holders that I had over my my five years at Florida. But yeah, it's it's an instantaneous type thing. You know, right when I hit it, hey, that one's in. That one's not not good. Um, and then you just kind of move on. I didn't really, I wasn't a, uh, an, an emotional guy, you know, just tried to stay pretty even keel. I will say the one, the 54 yarder that I did kick in the Florida Georgia game 
was probably the most emotional I got over any field goal at any time. Uh, we were tied at the time, and that sort of gave us the lead, and we ended up winning. Um, but that that was one where I hit it, and that was probably the best field goal I hit while I was in college um, was that specific field goal. And I, I'll never forget that feeling for sure. 54 yards. Like, when you stare in that, like, it's one of those things you say, oh, it's 54 yards, and now we've kind of become conditioned to think, oh, every college kicker can hit one. But you stand down there and look at that, you get on the field yourself like, that's a long ways. Like, what goes through your mind building up to that moment where you're like, okay, I, I do this. This is what I was doing, but that, that is a 54-yard kick, or do you even have time to think about it? I, I don't have time to think about it. Ben would confirm this, but Coach Spurrier didn't like seeing kickers on the field <laughs> unless they were extra points. Yeah. So when uh, – and, and this one, I, I never thought I would get to kick a field goal that long because he would almost rather go for it if it's fourth and eight from the 31 or 32 – Let's go for it, right? Uh, you know, our defense is probably going to hold him anyways. So the funny story behind the 54-yarder is that Coach Spurrier, we got stopped, and he said, field goal, field goal, field goal. And so I was like, I was a little bit caught off guard because I never, we never even tried one that long. And even in practice, we, we wouldn't practice anything longer than about 50 yards. And so we went out there, and I made the kick. And then after the game, he was in a good mood. He was looking at the stat sheet, and he came up, and he said, 54 yards. And I said, yeah, Coach, thanks for – Thanks for believing in me. And he goes, if I would have known it was that long, I wouldn't have put you out there. And so, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those moments, like it just kind of fell into place. And I was I was fortunate to be able to make it. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he started to believe in me more and more as, as my time uh, went on at Florida and gave me a lot more opportunities um, than probably he would like. You know, he would never want to kick field goals. He'd rather get seven points instead of three. Coach Burry to me was a guy that uh, found a way to have – a personal relationship. It ain't always the deepest relationship you ever had, but to him, for him to even go through the stat sheet, because, I mean, I said, look, Coach Burry care about two things, QB, Q, quarterback percentages and throwing long touchdowns. But to know that he gave you more opportunities, and whether he knew it or not, Jeff, how, what are your fondest memories of Coach Burry? Because people, people know of the throwing the headset, but, I mean, he was a very, very funny down-to-earth dude to me. Yeah, so we used to always go to – we'd start practice. The first period of practice was always special teams, so we'd do field goals. So we would get to practice 30 minutes early and start warming up. And the coaches would end the meetings, and then they would uh, – all the guys would go get dressed, put on their, their uniform, and come out to practice. So when he was done with his meetings, he'd come out early. So we'd get about 30 minutes of time with Coach Spurrier before anybody else got out there. And just the stories about how he used to kick and how great he was at kicking. It won me the Heisman. Uh, and then he would, you know, joke around with our punters too. Um, those are the types of moments and memories that I'll always, I'll always remember. You know, I used to joke with everybody, they say, what's he like? And I said, if you did your job, if you showed up to class, you were at meetings, you went to practice, you did your job, great. Best guy ever. He's not going to give you a hard time. I said it's the guys that he rode the hardest were the ones that weren't doing the right things. And so I always felt like my interactions were limited because he didn't feel like he needed to say anything to me, right? There was there was nothing that he needed to remind me of that I'm not doing correctly. And so um, little mannerisms here and there that I still see um, every now and then. You know, I'm so, so, so happy that he's still connected to the program and, and back. He's just such a – such a big gator and a big part of the history, and, and I'm fortunate that we um, – I know, Ben, you, you played for Coach Zook as well. I'm just fortunate that I got to spend my five years with, with Coach Spurrier. No, I was just going to say, no, Jeff, I mean, I, you know, we get recognized for different things. I mean, you know, my kids, my, my kids, are, you know, are very, very different than yours. My kids don't mind telling people, quote, do you know who my dad is and <laughs> stuff like that. Is your dad a Hall of Famer and things like that. But – 
that's that's something that that to me blows my mind because I'm like you, Jeff. Look, man, I don't want to get in the way. This machine known as Steve Spray, I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> Did not throw the ball to the tight end, so you know, I mean, but because you had, you know, you got. You went for Redale, Ike, and, you know, uh, and Chris Doring and McGriff to, you know, Rishay Caldwell, Jabbar Gavin, Taylor Jacobs. But Coach Spurrier made football fun yes. because if you're not having fun with him, well, I don't you, – you're doing the wrong things in life. Jamie, his, his, his assistant Jamie, I tell people this all the time. Jamie got to pick the movies, and Jamie picked the movie <laughs> Zoolander. And I said, Jamie, you had one thing to do. Talk about just the fact that how Coach Spurrier – he kept it light because he knows the quote big bad gators and we got all these teams to play. But talk about how he tried to do his best. Say, listen, man, I'm gonna try to make life as simple for you as possible because I know how stressful Saturdays can be. Yeah, he, the, you know, just different moments throughout practice. I remember there was a, a moon that was beautiful one night. We used to have Monday night practices. It was a chance for you know we'd have a game on Saturday, off on Sunday, and then Monday night would be sort of a get the legs loose again and then it'd give a chance for the the freshmen and the red shirts to scrimmage and do a little bit of that and so we were finishing up practice and the moon was out it was beautiful he stopped practice called everybody over and said i just want you guys to count your blessings and and uh, look at how beautiful it is out here and i'm just like we just went from like a really really intense game on saturday <laughs> To this and um, yeah, just the uh, the environment that he created around there. The coaches were, you know, my interactions with coaches were all, always very, very positive. I, I just felt like everybody was having a good time, and and uh, it was a great experience to to be a part of that. Jeff Chandler, our guest here on Three and Out, and he'll be a part of the uh, Florida Georgia Legends Series roundtable coming up here at seven o'clock. Jeff, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we've got more to come here live from the Weston on Jekyll Island. It's Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network coming to you live from the Weston on Jekyll Island, getting ready for the third annual Ben Troop Florida Georgia Legends Series. Uh, we've already chatted with a couple of guys that are going to be joining you on the roundtable coming up a little bit later tonight. And again, we've got more to come here on uh, on the show uh, as we'll talk with some other uh, of the guests that have come in here for the Legends Series. And always good, to, as you said, to hear the stories and hear talk about. I mean, how about uh, Jeff saying, hey, we go home after the game and some guys drive back to Jacksonville uh, to go uh, partake in the uh, in the celebration there. I mean, Kevin, we got them from all over. We got Jacksonville natives, uh, uh, Jeff Chandler and, uh, you know, a D Webb from Florida. We got DJ, you know, DJ Jones from Columbus, Georgia. You got, you know, uh, you know, uh, Willie McClendon, uh, you know, from Brunswick, Georgia. Uh, Carlos Alvarez from Cuba, by the way, you know, uh, the Cuban, the Cuban comment. But this, this is what I'm supposed to do. At the end of the day, being a former player, being able to provide an opportunity to, to get to know these guys and the stories. Uh, I'm just really, really excited uh, about, you know, somebody, the opportunity to sit down with some of these guys, if I'm not mistaken. D. Webb, I think he got his uh, jersey, got uh, I think his jersey got retired yesterday at his high school. He gets to, uh, you know, you know be a part of that Florida side today. But it, this is what I'm supposed to do. Being a former player, you ask yourself, how can I provide an opportunity uh, bigger than myself? So the Florida Georgia Legends here is my way of doing it. You cannot be a legend without first being legendary, and I think everybody on this uh, panel is legendary uh, tonight. Certainly, and we'll talk more about the uh, our picks coming up later in the game, but day before, I know obviously it's a tall task against uh, number one Georgia, but how are you feeling about the, this game coming up tomorrow, about a day out now? I'm nervous. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, 
I have nothing to do with the game. I talk trash because I, I have nothing to do with the game. But <laughs> I, I'm excited for Florida for the simple fact that I've seen this. I've seen this before. I do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Let me just go ahead and say that I respect the University of Georgia and how they play football. But the story, you know, the story hasn't been written yet. It's going to be written. You know, the, the next episode, Kevin, is going to happen tomorrow at 3.30 in Jacksonville. But I just go back to my time when I was at Florida. And Georgia brought out the best in me. Those teams that I played against was really, really good teams. Some of the best players ever come through Georgia. And the thing about it, the thing about Florida, Georgia, I know every other game is great, but this, this is the greatest opportunity you're gonna have because this is when you cement, you know, Kevin. We are baseball fans. We right. talk about how you how legends are born, legends are made in the postseason, right? And you know, uh, icons are made in the World Series. Well, I am not calling myself an icon. I am not calling myself legendary. I just think that. I, I, I thank God every day that when my number was called against them Bulldogs, man, I found a way to make it happen because I am from the state of Georgia, and I have a lot of family members who are Georgia fans who I did not know until I went to Florida. And <laughs> you just you just want to look back on this game and say, man, if I'm not going to be the reason we win, I will. I refuse to be the reason we lose. So I just think that tomorrow is another opportunity because what you do against Tennessee is great. What you do against Florida State and Auburn is great. What you do against Georgia is everything. They will not let you forget it. So – I hope that those guys go out there and make a, a great memory tomorrow. And, again, a tall task against a great defense. Uh, Got to be able to move the football. And, again, we talked about it on the show just uh, all season long. Not really anybody's been able to do it consistently. How does Florida do it? Florida comes in with, uh, what, fourth, fourth, against, uh, fourth best rushing attack. Florida's offensive line has only given up five sacks the whole season. That means nothing because there's, there's a guy – you know, there's this movie called Freddy Krueger, and it's a guy he kills he kills you while you're while, while, you know he kills he you while you're awake. Night Nightmare yes. on Elm Street. Well, this year his name isn't Freddy Krueger. His name is Jordan Davis, and uh, he's he's a really really big athletic guy, and he's everything for that Georgia defensive line. But it's an opportunity, Kevin. I mean, we always say it right. In order to be the man, you got to beat the man, and the man known as Jordan Davis will be. You know, he will be there. And I, I looked at the injury report, and his name isn't on it, so he will be showing up. Uh, to the game tomorrow. But, no, go out there and uh, be yourself. Dan Muller is known for being a great play caller. He's going to have to call a really, really good game. you got to be patient and persistent when it comes to a defense of this magnitude. But, look, I've seen Georgia with some great defenses before. I am not saying I went up against the greatest Georgia defense. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm staring over there and I see Richard Seymour and Marcus Stroud and Charles Green and Kendra Bell and Thomas Davis. I'm thinking, did I make the right decision? Am I at the right place? Yes, I am. But, Hopefully you hopefully you go and use those type of opportunities to go out there and try to be the best you because I judge me up against up against equal or greater talent. You're not gonna go up against a better defense of Georgia, and if you can do it against Georgia, you can do it against anybody. But unfortunately, you got to do it for four quarters because I think it's gonna be a four quarter ball game tomorrow. And again, we've got more to come here for uh, for for three now. We are live at the Westin on Jekyll Island, getting ready for the uh, Florida Georgia Legend Series. Uh, that all gets started at seven o'clock right here in the courtyard at the Westin. Absolutely free to come out and just enjoy. Uh, have a great time uh, enjoying all the festivities here tonight as we get ready for the uh, the big game uh, tomorrow. But we've got more to come here on three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, we are coming to you live from the Westin on Jekyll Island in the uh, the courtyard area, getting ready for uh, the Florida Georgia Legends Series. Uh, we're going to be having happening 
literal steps from where you and I are sitting right now, Ben. So uh, coming up in just a little bit, we got a lot more folks we're going to talk to here. And I know you're excited about the uh, the panel that you guys have uh, put together for uh, the, the Legends Series tonight, just talking about football, talking about this game and uh, you know, sharing a bunch of stories, but something else going on tonight. You got game three of the World Series tonight. Uh, Braves and Ian Anderson out there. And again, um, got to have it. Uh, you know, it's not a must win, but uh, I, I feel like you got to have at least two or three here. Uh, so if it goes back to Houston, you just need to find a way to win one. Atlanta has found a way, Kevin, to really make, really make Truist Park a home field advantage. So Ian Anderson, I mean, I mean, Kevin, we talk about Ian Anderson like he's a season fan. This is his second year in the bigs. <laughs> But his first full season. Exactly, his first full season. But when your first start is against the Yankees and your second start is against uh, the Red Sox, I think you can handle uh, being in the World Series. But I think I, listen, I feel I feel good about this Braves team, Kevin. They are a different team at home, and you said it. You know, at you know on the road, you know against Houston, you know they, they had to come back. And, they got Game One, obviously, got humbled a, a little bit in Game Two. But Truist is going to do his part. You don't have to worry about the Bravo Nation. They're going to do their part tonight, but. I think, Kevin, you know, something we've been talking about a lot with the Braves, just be who you are. Win, listen, do, listen, uh, be who you are and uh, what got you here. Don't try to do too much because, Kevin, if those bats get to going, I think it's going to be a long day for the Mastros. I'm excited just to see the atmosphere, as you said, of Truist Park because the atmosphere when they were playing the Dodgers was unbelievable, uh, something you you don't hardly ever get to see uh, in the, the the city of Atlanta. Where I mean, the Hawks haven't been to a finals uh, in a long, long time. Uh, I don't know if they've ever been to a finals. As a matter of fact, they haven't been to a, a finals. The Falcons have been to a Super Bowl, but the best you could do is a, an NFC championship game as far as home field environment. This is the World Series, something that you have not seen in this city in 20, 21 years. And I think it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. I'm, I'm excited to see what it, what it looks like tonight when that Braves team, if, if, a, if a big play happens, uh, that, that, that stadium might fall down <laughs> at the end of the day. Now, Kevin, look, I'm, wow. I mean, it, this is one of those where were you? Obviously, yeah. you know, we're we going to be in Jekyll uh, when the game is going on. But, Kevin, I mean, at the end of the day, this Braves team has earned it. I don't want to hear this. They deserve to be here. No, they earned a chance to be here. They did. They earned four years. They had to go through the gauntlet. I mean, they had to, they had to overcome the worst first inning in 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 uh in playoff history with with uh you know uh, with Mike Fulnavich against some Cardinals. Then they came up six six uh six outs uh, short last year to be back to back World Series uh participants. But here they are, Game Three. This the only way the only way to lose the World Series is to be in the World Series. And right now they got good as shot as any because Kevin, I don't know I don't know what the, the I don't know what the stats are, but if you win Game Three. That's got to make you feel good moving forward because, Kevin, I mean, it's three games at Truist this, this weekend, right? Yeah. Come Sunday, Braves handle business. We could be, ready to, we, we could be getting ready to, you know, to hoist up another World Series trophy. Uh, well, uh, man, that would be amazing. I don't want to speak that into existence just yet. you got to win You got to win at least uh, gotta win tonight to, to at least make that a possibility. But, yeah, Braves back at home. Uh, again, I think you did what you were supposed to do, and I guess that's a hard thing for, for fans to look at and say, look, the goal was to win one, so you get back home and you, you keep it even on the road. But the way you lost game two, everybody started freaking out like, oh, no. Uh, but, hey, keep it together and uh, get a win tonight. And, again, we'll have coverage for you starting at 7 o'clock, uh, first pitch just after 8 o'clock here this evening. Braves and Astros, we've got more of the Georgia-Florida Legends Series. We are live at the Weston 
on Jekyll Island. And this is a three and out on the Southern yeah, Florida Georgia Legends Series. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop here with you. B.J. Bennett running around somewhere. We seem to have lost him here uh, on the show this afternoon. But uh, we're glad you're making us a part of your day. And again, coming up tonight at the Weston here in the courtyard, uh, 7 o'clock, we have the uh, the third annual Florida Georgia Legends Series. Ben, I know we are looking forward to that. And our next guest is on the Georgia side of this uh, this rivalry. And, uh, again, uh, played, uh, got himself some bling uh, there with the, with the, with the Bulldogs, uh, seventh-round pick by the Green Bay Packers as well. Uh, D.J. Jones, uh, former Georgia Bulldog, joins us. DJ, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Pleasure to be here. Can I get some ears? Oh, can you get? Uh, sure. We can turn you up a little bit. Uh, let's see if that helps you out. Uh, can you? Can you hear better? I cannot. Oh, he got him flipped. He got him flipped around. Now we'll get you. Is that better? <laughs> All right, that makes sense. All right. <laughs> I was like, I, I can crank it up a little bit more, but uh, we're glad you were here. Uh, and again, just talk about the. I don't know if it was Ben or uh, you came in as a quarterback. And they told me that you actually, after the after the '80 season, said, "Hey, I w- I want to move to to somewhere on the field where I can come in and, and commit." Tell us about that decision and kind of what led you to that. Well, you know, it, it meant a lot for me to get an opportunity to play at, uh, to compete at the position at my freshman year. Coach Dooley convinced me and told my parents that he'd give me an opportunity to play, and he did that. And uh, I played. I got as high as the second team quarterback. Got some. Uh, mop-up duty action on that national championship team but the biggest part of that was being the scout team quarterback i got a chance to see that i belonged in the sec because you know we gave that that, that defense all they could handle every day every week uh doing, running the opposing team's plays and Eric Russell, uh, God bless the dead, the legend himself, he, he was crazy about uh, me and uh, the other scout teamers uh, that because we gave such a great pitch, pitcher and tremendous look for that, that, that uh, championship defense. So uh, with that said, Buck Ballou was the winning quarterback in 1980. He was coming back for his junior year, which obviously meant that I couldn't beat him out, I mean, unless he had gotten hurt. or And I didn't want to stand on the sideline holding the clipboard. I had proven to everybody and myself that I deserved to play. All the defensive backs, mind you, had graduated from that 1980 national championship team. So I lined up in the spring as uh, the number one left corner, uh, ended up getting injured. But, uh, again, it played out because I ended up playing uh, the next couple of years and getting drafted by the Packers. And, DJ, talk, talk about that a little more because your, your path is one to where, you know, and obviously I got it, we got a chance to talk a little bit yesterday. You talk about the fact that, number one, you got, you got Coach Dooley off the hook. It wasn't Coach Dooley <laughs> that made you do anything, but – Spending a whole year getting getting the uh, getting the starting defense ready, you're showing off more athleticism than you know. Obviously, you can throw the football, you can you can know you can use your legs, but when the defensive coordinator approaches you, because you went from backup quarterback to starting corner, not playing corner, what was that? What was that like? A uh, transition like because while you can do it, it's one thing to throw receivers. Now you got to cover them. Absolutely, you know, you know it's a transition. But when you know, I was an athlete, Ben. You know, I could run. I could, uh, you know, I could. Uh, I had good size, and I was very aggressive. Even though I was a quarterback, I, you know, I, you know, it's it was, what's the philosophy with me? Either hit or be hit. You know, and if I'm gonna, if I'm running, dropping back to pass or rolling out, you know, I, if I, you know, I, if I couldn't shake you, you know, I was gonna attack you. So. That part of it, you know, it was the physicality of it, it was not uh, no, a problem as you have with most quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, again, I just was able to put it together, had good feet, and the secondary was, uh, you know, was the best option as well as returning kicks. I say describing that, I can see why Eric Russell came to him and said, hey, I want somebody that can, <laughs> that can hit somebody, right? He, he, he knew what he was getting when he, when he got you over there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, it was just a, you know, just a pleasure to be able to play under a, a guy like uh, Vince Dooley and, of course, the defensive coordinator. Uh, uh, Eric Russell and again uh, George Hafner. Uh, a lot of people might not remember him, but he was a, a defensive co- offensive coordinator uh, in the days uh, with Tony Dorsett at Pitt. So, uh, just 
some great staff there that uh, Coach Dooley assembled in 1980. The competition at practice is something that's not talked about enough. People see us one day a week, but they don't understand. Your roommate might be the starting receiver, and y'all got to do everything together. And then right, right before y'all get on the field, it's like this. Not only am I, I'm not only am I gonna shut you down, that's my shirt you got on. <laughs> that's what people don't realize. But talk about how competitive practice was. To the, I'm not saying the game is easy, yes, yes. but practice made the game easier. As, absolutely, because again, and, and, and that was a good thing about it with me. I love to practice. You know, some guys just like to go through the motions. Some guys didn't like the conditioning. Some guys didn't like to do, do the drills. Well, I figure if you didn't like to practice, you you didn't like to play football because obviously, you know, the competition day to day. Uh, in camp in during the season during the week you know it was just it was just something that if you know you had if you didn't have the passion for it then obviously you, you don't you weren't going to be around long and uh, I just enjoyed it uh, because again you know it's you, you're going up against the best in the nation you're going up against the best in the state you know you were recruited by a bunch of guys of guys that, you know in the classes before you you know so you uh, you're, you're competing amongst the best the best against the best and uh, you know it was it was nothing like it especially on a championship team. DJ Jones joining us here on a three and out, and you look at this year's Georgia-Florida game, you talk about playing defense. Man, Georgia's been doing that at a ridiculous level. What do you see when you watch those guys play? I just see a team that uh, really, really, uh, you know, epitomizes the, 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 the term of junkyard dog defenses. I mean, these guys are probably, and it's hard to say, and again, I don't like comparing, but, you know, this 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 defense is one of the best that I've seen. And, uh, you know, a lot of those players had an opportunity to go to uh, the next level, but they decided to stay. And uh, I see that uh, Coach uh, Coach Smart obviously, uh, you know, got have those guys believing. Uh, they bought in and they understand uh, what it's all about. Now, again, uh, you know, this is the year uh, what we think and we hope. Uh, but that defense has a lot to do with it, and you know, have a, they have a lot of people talking about them, including you know, you go to the I, I'm in the press box at most of the games, and you see all of these pro scouts there from I mean, not you know, usually you have you know maybe a handful, but you see dozens. And dozens of scouts at these games, and then during the pregame, they're walking around and looking at uh, these defensive players, uh, you know, warm up. And again, uh, you know, that tells you right there a lot. If you don't know anything about football, why are these professional scouts at the game? When you learn, when you learn a defense, most of the time that you you are learning your position and what your position does. Problem is, you are part of a concept. When you look at Coach Landing and what he does with his Georgia defense, that they, they're playing conceptual football. I cannot spell it, but I do know what it means, <laughs> DJ. Talk about just how that football like you, because people talk about exotic defense, but you got to have the personnel that can run those defenses. You're absolutely right, man. I mean, they got they got the Joes, man, and no, no doubt about it. Uh, Kirby has done a tremendous job. He and his staff of, of getting the top talent, not just in the state, in the in the country. These guys have really done a great job over the past few years. You could tell by how the way they ranked in the uh, in recruiting process. And uh, Dan Lanning, I mean, you got you got the athletes. I mean, again, and it's not just. The athletes, they have depth. I mean, they, you know, you go to, you know, second and, and third deep, and these guys just keep coming. And, you know, it's, it's amazing, you know, and, and you hadn't seen a lot of that in a long time. It's, it's, it's unusual for a team to have can go three deep and still be just as competitive with the first group and the third group. DJ Jones joining us here on 3 Now. We talked to a number of guys about winning that championship, and I like to ask guys, when did you kind of feel like it was possible? And I would imagine with you guys, it started in Jacksonville with the obviously one of the most famous plays in the history of football, but did you guys think it was headed that direction before you even got to that play in Jacksonville? Well, what was unusual was that you know my, my first game uh, of, of my freshman year, we went up to Knoxville, and again, a lot of people don't remember this, but the great Herschel Walker, uh, my classmate, uh, was third or fourth team at that particular time. We fell behind up there. It was a hundred and plus, hundred plus people there up in Knoxville at the stadium, and uh, uh, it, it was uh, one of those situations where at halftime, 
uh, Coach Dooley, one of the coaches, came to him and said, look, we uh, we want to put Herschel in. And, by God, they put him in, and the rest <laughs> was history. But, you know, what? The, the funny thing about that is that, you know, what you guys saw that first game as Herschel ran over Bill Bates and then, of course, went on to just a, an iconic season as a freshman, you didn't realize that when we came in as freshmen now, we talked about playing scout team. Well, Herschel didn't play scout team, but he was third or fourth team. He didn't have a run over 20 yards that I could remember that we had in preseason practice. Nothing extraordinary, nothing of what you saw that was uh, Herschel-like throughout his career. Very ordinary. And again, uh, it was, you know, it was a shock to, to me. It was a sh- just as much as it was a shock to uh, all of the teammates. When did, when did you know you was ready? Everybody goes to college. Everybody's athletes. Everybody can play. Everybody can run. You came in because Vince Dooley told your mom that you're going to get a chance to play the quarterback position. You move on to the other side of the ball. You went from, you know, you went from backup quarterback to starting cornerback. At what was it practice or was it the game? You said, okay, I'm ready, coach. I can go out there and I can compete with the best in the country. Well, again, as playing quarterback and being on the scout team, and, and, and we know that, like you said, they don't—they only see us once a week. But during the during the week, during all the the, the tour days, when we when I was running scout team and, and breaking runs, and obviously, uh, you know how it is, coach. They run it again. Well, we run it, we run it again, and then and what I reverse and come out the backside and, and you know and gain twenty yards. But I knew then, you know, something, you know, it, it was a little special, and and I and I knew I wasn't I wasn't big headed or anything, but I just knew I belonged, and it was just a matter of time uh, that uh, I got an opportunity to get on the field. DJ Jones joining us. We talked about uh, going to uh, to the Georgia Florida game. You're from West Georgia. I know when you talk to the Georgia fans, hey, if you're from the Columbus area, hey, we really want to beat Auburn. That's the game. North Georgia is Tennessee, South Carolina. What, when did you kind of find out how big this game in Jacksonville was uh, in terms of Georgia and Florida? When I stepped off the bus down here, my freshman year, man, uh, it, don't, it was unbelievable. I, I was I was telling. Ben, the other day, you know, you, we, we got off the bus over at the stadium in Jacksonville, and you can literally spell, smell the alcohol in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I knew that we were in for something special, man. But, uh, you know, the pageantry, uh, the culture of this game, uh, it just uh, it's just so special. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to have I've been, been a part of it for four years. Now, DJ, I've had, I had Willie McClinton on earlier. Obviously, me and you talked about it, you know, a little bit yesterday, just one-on-one. But you could have went any way you wanted to. You chose the University of Georgia. I've, and, and, and Vince Dooley's smart. Vince Dooley said, I don't want to talk to DJ. I want to talk to Mama Jones. Mama <laughs> Jones said, do my baby get to go and play quarterback? But what is this like knowing that you are cemented, not just in the Georgia-Florida game, you was a Georgia Bulldog for life. What does it mean to DJ Jones knowing, man, I'm a Georgia Bulldog for life? Well, growing up, again, my dad, you know, had uh, we we watched the Braves, we watched the Falcons, we watched, uh, you know, everything Georgia. And then Georgia Bulldogs, Coach Dooley had a highlight show that came on, and uh, watching those shows and 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 watching Coach Dooley with that, you know, that uh, that tie and that little sweater vest on the sideline and, and the calmness about him, the way he ran the team as like a CEO. He wasn't a screamer or a hollower. He was uh, he was one of those guys that he seemed like again he, he treated his players like men. And I later found out that that was true. And uh, that's what I uh, that's what I fell in love with with following the Bulldogs as a youngster. DJ, man, we, we Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida. We know Georgia's coming in with all the momentum, number one in the country. A defense that they suffocate you; they don't want to give up one yard. And you mentioned they they are they can go three deep. But why is it when it comes to Georgia, Florida, that stuff doesn't matter? I'm not saying the team or the teams aren't good, but why is it Jacksonville just? You could throw out everything that happened before that. You could throw out records. You could throw out, you know, a record breakers, Heisman Trophy finalists, or whomever. 
Why does Georgia Florida just, you know, uh, be on a different scale than every other game? Well, you know, I think it's the athletes, man. I mean, the Georgia, the athletes that, uh, that, uh, come out of uh, Florida that end up at Georgia and the Georgia athletes that end up in Florida, uh, the recruiting process. I mean, obviously your quarterback, uh, from right up the road from, from Columbus there, Emory Jones, man, he's, he, you know, he's right there in our backyard. Of course, we covered him in, in high school, but, uh, I guess it's just the, you know, the, 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 the competition factor with, with these guys and they know each other. Most of those guys, uh, you know, they played against each other in high school all-star games. And, uh, but again, at the end of the day, you know, when you talk about the University of Florida and Georgia, uh, you know, it's just one of those rivalries, man, that, uh, it's the world's largest cocktail party. And it, and it, and it started a long time ago. And, the, and, and guys, you know, grew up looking at it, watching it. And now you all of a sudden you're in it on national television, then uh, you want to show everybody that you are, you're the best. DJ Jones, our guest here on 3 and Out. He'll join Ben and uh, the panel at the uh, Georgia-Florida Legend Series coming up here at the Westin tonight at 7 o'clock. DJ, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. My pleasure. We've got more to come here live from the Westin on Jekyll Island. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out, live from the Westin on Jekyll Island, getting ready for the Georgia-Florida Legend Series coming up at 7 o'clock here in the courtyard of the Westin. And, again, I know we've got a lot of guests coming in. Uh, ben, really looking forward to the roundtable discussion a little bit later tonight as well as uh, folks, you know, this is a kind of ground central. It's Jacksonville, but also uh, St. Simons, Jekyll Island, you know, ground central for uh, a lot of folks who come down and enjoy the weekend and then uh, get ready for the game on Saturday. Yeah, trying to, uh, trying to start our own tradition. Is in Jekyll Island. I mean, we think about it, Kevin. I mean, uh, you know, we we, we know we know uh, we know Baluda Scott. We know how crazy uh, that uh, that call was, and they were saying, "quote." Uh, we know they, were, they we know it's something. They tearing up everything in Jekyll and Saint Simon's. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to be able to start our. You know some uh, some incredible traditions here in Jekyll Island, the beautiful Western Hotel on, at Jekyll Island, and uh, this is my way of just paying it forward. When you playing this uh, incredible game. At these uh, at these two great universities, you want to be able to say as former as a former player, how can I show respect to the ones that came through it? So uh, my uh, my Florida Georgia Legends series, my Florida Georgia Legends roundtable is how I do that. Looking forward to some great conversations. And again, uh, you mentioned Baluda Scott, so I'll ask you about that. Have you ever been involved with a play like that? Uh, you know, because people talk about that that defined that whole season. I mean, Georgia obviously still had more games to play and all that, but Baluda Scott uh, that was. What you hear, that's the play, the first thing you go to when you talk about that 1980 season uh, for Georgia. Have you ever been involved with a play like that where you're like, okay, something something really big just happened? Like, obviously something big in the game, but something really big just happened. I was, I, I was, I was blessed to catch the game winner in 2002, but I was – I was too young and naive to understand the severity of the situation, Kevin. Like, thank God, and thank God we only had ten yards to go. If I would have been on the what, what the, the, the eight yard line, I got to take it that far. Well, I'm definitely gonna get chased down from behind. But I think, I think that's why you practice the way you do. That's why you go about the way you do. You you don't want to let your teammates down. I was the type of player to where. I just didn't want to be the reason why we lost the game. I know how hard guys work, and I know I know how much it means to those guys. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I just. I just always look back at it. I, I, I just want to be a great teammate. If I become a great player in the process, so be it. But, Kevin, you know what it's like? You just you just want to be able to say, hey, listen, when they called my number, I made a play. I don't got to make the most miraculous play of all time, but if you don't make the play, that's what you remember forever. Like, I can't remember all the plays, quote, I made in my life. But every play I didn't make, I can take it the time. I can take it the place. I can take it the, 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 the quarter it was in. So I feel blessed and humbled to have been a part of a great part of history because – 
you don't know it's historic when you're doing it. It takes years down the line, and it takes being reminded by that opposing fan base to let you know they cannot stand your mind. I was going to say, who reminds you more about your moment, the Florida fans or the Georgia fans? Uh... I mean, you have, it's, it's, I know you have Christian doing it every day. Yeah, it's it's all, it's always going to be Georgia fans because in their mind, you know, you're lucky. Oh, you just lucky. <laughs> oh, you just. But at the same time, too, you realize that you're fully engulfed in the game when you when you when you don't even realize the situation that you're in. 2002, the, the the play that stands out the most to me is not the touchdown pass that I caught. It was a Jacksonville native, Gus Scott. I don't know how many picks uh, Gus had in his uh, in his career, but that boy took one to the crib. In Jacksonville against DJ Shockley, and he's from Jacksonville doing that. That's what stood out to me the most, man. Because I came in with Gus in 2000, and look, man, that, that, that when it comes to the DBs at Florida, man, you make a mistake, they make you pay. Gus Gustavo made him pay that night. <laughs> again, we got a big, uh, big showdown 3:30 tomorrow in uh, in Jacksonville, Georgia, the number one team uh, coming in. I know you said this a lot, and I know people say, "Well, Ben." obviously wants Florida to win. But, I mean, we have seen it a number of times for a long time in this rivalry, even when Florida was in the midst of that, uh, you know, streak where it was very one-sided. There were several times where Georgia came in as the better team. I know there's been times where Florida has come in as the better team and didn't win, and didn't win. So it's truly, I think, one of those series been where you say it and it sounds like, oh, you know, Kevin, Ben, BJ, whoever, just throwing out the cliches of throw out the record. But in this series, it has been true at times where, the team with the momentum, the better team on paper, has not won the football game. Florida-Georgia is a prove-it game because it doesn't matter what you did up until that point. you got to prove it to yourself. you got to prove it to that opposing team that, yeah, they've had a really, really good season. We've had a really, really good season, but I'm going to judge myself based off that guy in front of me. I don't do the whole SEC, it means more. I, Kevin, you never <laughs> hear me say that stuff, but it matters. It matters more when you play against Georgia because that's bragging rights for life. Forget 300 and you know, 64 days, that's bragging rights for life because people are going to ask you, if you're from Florida, your biggest rivalry might be Florida State. If you're from the state of Georgia like me, my biggest rivalry was Georgia. You don't want to lose to either one of them boys, but I'm telling you, you get to playing with the guys I was blessed to play with, not letting them down was far exceeded the University of Georgia. I ain't taking nothing away from Georgia, but I got to face these dudes when I get back on this bus. We ride the bus. <laughs> from from Gainesville to Jacksonville. I don't want to be on that bus, man, because, you know, I didn't make a play. So I just know that Florida Georgia is near and dear to my heart. I thank God every day I am 4-0 against them boys. But I just, like I said, when you beat Georgia, that's what we talk about when we, when we get back around each other. We ain't talking about the natties or SEC championship game. We talk about what happened in Jacksonville because what happened in Jacksonville, that's what you're going to remember the most. All right, players tonight, obviously you're getting ready for the game tomorrow. How do you kind of – keep it together how do you kind of stay calm before and not get overhyped about what's going to happen tomorrow one way or the other I'm, I'm going to say this we got we got a lot of different generations right or is that impossible no no we got carlos alvarez the cuban comic we got willie mcclendon we got dj jones you know you got jeff chandler you know you got myself but then you got the wild card you got d webb <laughs> i'm gonna tell you why d webb is the youngest of the group d webb is a jacksonville native and D Webb got that look like, listen, I'm gonna keep it, I'm gonna keep it PG, but if they say the wrong thing, I'm gonna just turn them loose. But I listen, love D Webb, man, happy to have him down here. But that's what it's about, man. It always starts respectful, but we all played the game, so we all respect each other. But look, man, listen, you gotta, you gotta. I mean, D Webb know what I'm talking about, man. D Webb represent Duval. They bang them where they hang them. You got, you got to know about Duval. Know what I'm talking about. 
looking forward to have D-Webb on. But if D-Webb get loose, hey, man, that's what he's down here for. Okay, we will, we will talk to him when we come back. Here we're live at the uh, the Weston on Jekyll Island. Come on out and uh, see us. The uh, Georgia Florida Legends Series gets started 7 o'clock. Absolutely free to come out here and attend. And you can hear Ben and uh, a list of greats who have played in this Georgia-Florida game. Going to be talking about it coming up a little bit later tonight. This is 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It's 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us as we are live at the Weston on Jekyll Island getting ready for the Georgia-Florida Legends Series uh, here in the courtyard at the uh, the Weston overlooking the the Atlantic Ocean. Absolutely beautiful uh, Friday afternoon here. Hope you'll come out and join us. All the festivities get started at 7 o'clock. Absolutely free uh, to attend. So we encourage you to come on out and join us here at the Weston on Jekyll Island and, uh, and Ben. We're just loaded up with guests. Our next guest is going to join you uh, on the other round table, play with you at Florida. If you ever need a hype man, D, Ben is your guy. Uh, <laughs> ben, ben will hype you up. But uh, D Webb joining us here uh, on the three and out. How are you doing? I'm fine. Great to be here. Thank you all for having me. And, again, uh, we've been talked about uh, so much about playing in this game, but you're a guy that's from Jacksonville. What did that mean to you when you got to Florida to be able to come back and, and, and play that game in your hometown? It meant a lot, especially being from the hometown, knowing we have a rich tradition since Potwana, all the way up to the uh, Jaguars. We got the Jaguars. We breed, eat football. So it's a must win. I got the opportunity to come home and bless the crowd with my, my talents. I had to do my thing. Oh. Now, D, man, what's what's more pressure, playing in Florida or being from Jacksonville and playing in Florida? <laughs> in this particular game right here, being from Jacksonville playing for Florida. <laughs> Because, like C4 said, man, they go let you know. They go let they go give it to you hard. Whenever they see you out in the stores or whatnot, and they go critique every little thing you do. So it's like I have to put on. <laughs> You're getting a, a Georgia team coming in. Obviously, uh, they're playing very well. Number one team in in the country. A lot of folks think the game tomorrow is going to hinge on Florida and that defense and their ability to keep the Gators in the football game. Uh, yeah, we had like the top five defense going against what I think ranked like 40 something in the offense. But at this particular point in this type of game right here, this magnitude right here, records don't even matter. You could be the sorriest team coming into the game. It's about pride at the end of the day. Who go take the dog on, uh, the, uh, what do I want to say? How I can say it? Uh, the bragging rights of the, the state Georgia line. Because we always wanted to play against each other coming up in high school. They entered the, dog, the series, the Florida-Georgia uh, series in high school when my senior year came. So, for me, it was more of like any time we played them, it's like I don't care if we owe and whatever. Sure. I got to put on. I was going to say, because Ben's talked about playing in that game, and you, Ben, you have said, look, that kind of added to it for you because you're like, hey, I played on the Georgia – high school team to play the Florida high school team with David Pollock and, and uh, David Green. David Some of those guys, Green. David Green, I mean, and you said they kind of added to it. Did that Was that kind of it for you? And I, I wish they would do something like that again. But you're like, hey, I kind of played with some of these guys already. I'm going to tell you, it was everything for me because, like I say, they stopped that series my senior year. <laughs> and I did. I was pretty much like, man, I was scared of playing. So I didn't want to go to the Florida-California game or go out to the All-American game. That's the only game I was going to play in my senior year. And they took it away from me. So – I didn't have a chance to really submit my dog on greatness against the Georgia uh, players coming up in the high school rankings. So when I got my chance and I went and committed to Florida, that was one of the games I circled on the uh, on the, on calendar that I have to do my thing. 
D, you play you play DB, and I know it's different when you out there because you got to have a short memory. You and Ar- with arguably the best athlete on the team, but man, what is them battles like? I mean, like I said, I mean it's in it's in a it's in a team maybe with the Jaguars that you grew up rooting for, but you going up against them boys from Athens. When what are those battles like out there? Because the rest of the the rest of the world is in here, and you out there on that island. Uh, basically, first and foremost, you got to have a uh, short memory because you're going against the players that just as skillful as you, just as fast as you, bigger than you sometimes at that. But it's all being in that box. You and him in that box going in a heavyweight match, and you got to win more than him. That's my mentality. I took it as DB, and that's how I went throughout my whole career. It's me against you, and I feel like I'm going to come on top more than you beat me. Indeed, man, when you, you know, uh, being here at, at this uh, Florida Georgia Legend Series, I remember when I reached out to you, obviously, you know, you were a guy that ended up having tremendous success, uh, you know, at Florida. But being a former player and being able to look at what these players deal with now, because it's, it's different than me and you play. They, they can make money now. Woo. I mean, and, and I know that bothers you and me. You know, I mean, I remember, old Cry, I remember you know, I remember old uh, Nolan Simmons only because he, that's where you go get that Pell Grant from. But right. How much more pressure do you think these guys are under, and how much guidance do you think they lack? And not necessarily they don't have it, but people like myself and yourself being able to give those young boys wisdom. You call it pressure, but I think in our time, we, I feel like we feel like it's more of an opportunity because it's like they got it's all right there in their hands right now. It's like they're giving you a doggone bridge to brand yourself at this particular time, strictly coming out of high school, so I can make myself who I want to be before I even think about the NFL and get make that a doggone choice of do I still want to do it. So me, I just really, as far as me, what I'm doing right now is trying to give back and, and get them an understanding of what they have, what we didn't have, and y'all could brand y'all selves and be y'all own boss, be y'all own brand, and use that to get you further in life and start early. I'll say that's a hard thing to, to – I don't think I would have – comprehended that at 18 19 years old about what a what a brand meant but as you said there was no twitter no none of, none that. of that stuff and now uh you know you're dealing with hey you are a brand you are representing not i mean i know Ben saw hey you represent yourself you represent in your y'all's case florida but now you might also represent somebody else exactly. uh, uh, while you're out there doing it all at the same time right and them been getting to get do that at a younger age i feel like people like us former athletes we have to Get them to understanding like what y'all guys have, and like y'all under a big microscope, and everything could be seen. Everything, pretty much anything that's going on in there is out there now. Oh, so, yeah. and D, how much, how much better of a player you think you could have been? You said something that I think a lot of these listeners, you know, might have missed. You said, man, the NFL is less of a choice because. I'm developing me right now. We want to go. We want to go. Make no mistake about it. But right. if D Web the brand is 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 already a brand, the NFL is a brand of itself. How much different is the NFL when you say, "Well, look, man, I'm learning how to. I'm I'm not learning how to make money. I'm learning how to save money while I'm 18, 19, 20, 21. Because we are the first of our kind in everything. Graduating high school, going to college, and unfortunately, people here in NFL and think we all got paid money money. Right. It, <laughs> Exactly, and that's definitely not the case. It's probably like five people each team that's making life-changing money. And what these guys have right now is basically like y'all guys could, uh, pretty much control your own destiny. It still could be like part one all over again. It still could be a hobby for you guys. You just gotta have to learn how to utilize what you guys have for these social media platforms. And like I say, you are a brand now. 
and use that brand to bring in your income. So when you're going to the next level, it's not like I'm going to work. So to say, I got to do this, I got to do that, and it's, I got a big microscope as coach on my back, and I got to make this play. I got to make, I could, I could come in and still pop one all over again because I'm making stuff outside of football. And D, you, I mean, uh, yesterday, you know, uh, uh, Seattle Faison, right? He won Rattler, Rat. Uh-huh. Them boys getting, them boys getting enshrined as you know, 2021, you know, Florida Georgia Game Hall of Fame inductees. I know people think they think we all self-centered. I only care about me, but talk about when you see your people going, you know, getting enshrined. You be feeling like it's you up there. You're right, and uh, like that's crazy as you say. It's a, it's, it's a brotherhood. We all still like Kiwan on and CFO. We all still keep in contact to this day. So seeing those two guys and being in battle with those two guys in this particular game and games over the years too is just like you can't do nothing but embrace it yourself. Like you like you said, you up there with them. So it's like it's a good thing. I'm happy for both of those guys. They well deserving of the uh, of the award and like C4 from the crib. So it's like <laughs> he did what he needed to do in that <laughs> game to get this dog on recognition. So I much respect to him and that's one of my mans. D Webb joining us here on uh, three and out. And I know we've talked to a lot of folks. Uh, ben has said this. Hey, my I, I heard about Georgia, Florida, but I get obviously it was right there in Jacksonville. Did you kind of have an idea of what you were walking into that first Georgia, Florida game, or was even then you're like. Well, it might even be bigger than I think it is. No, I knew everything. <laughs> well, I knew it was all it lived up to because, I, like I said, I'm from Jacksonville. And, like, from elementary all the way to high school, the city pretty much shut down, like, on Wednesday for the biggest cocktail party come in. So it's like we're doing stuff like holiday stuff in in, in, in school <laughs> for this doggone game. And at that particular time, I wasn't a Gator fan. I was a Hurricane fan. So I was being against the uh, – I've been oddball. I used to chill for Georgia. Because I was a hurricane, so is I knew what it was when I got a chance to come to University of Florida. Like I say, I went to Florida. That was like one of the main game. If I was gonna be hurt that game, it was Miami. I wanted to play against. Like you say, Georgia was a team you wanted to play against. Tro, it was Miami because that was a team I loved always growing up in Georgia. Like those are two guys. I don't care if I was hurt, I was gonna play in those games. <laughs> Lito Shepard, Bam Hartman, Gus Scott, OJ Small. Uh, Seatric Faison, UD Webb. Man, that Jacksonville, Florida tradition is serious and it's almost like you uh, you guys always have somebody going to the going going to Florida every year doing your thing, man. What man, what is that like knowing that, man? I know I know a bunch of guys not last name Webb that's still carrying on this big time Florida tradition. Uh and it's crazy that you say that I'm working on my little cousin right now. He's a five star recruit. He done committed to Oklahoma right now. We're trying to switch that up right now. So <laughs> behind clothes though. But yeah, it's a it's a rich tradition from Jacksonville players going to uh like I say, going to uh like you say, going to Florida. Like I wasn't big on Gators. It took like the Lido with the Bams to bring me up there like it's right up the road from us so forty five minutes. So I used to spend a lot of time up there and just being around those guys doing out my high school career, especially my junior and senior year coming up and hanging out with y'all guys. It was like I was part of the team because everybody knew I was already. So it's like a pipeline already going on. It's gonna continue to go on and it don't make it, it, it make it better that it's like forty five minutes away. Now D man, I the one thing I mean, obviously, we only played with each other one year. The one thing I remember about you, man, didn't say a lot. Right. You know, very, very even kill. But, man, we get on that field, I'm like, something click. I said, dude, that's a dude I just – and, and what, what is that like knowing that, look, man, I'm an even, even kill, easy going dude, but I won't smoke on that field. 
Uh, I think football, ain't no think I know football. I'm two different type of people, just like you said. When I get on that field, it was like, and I could, I could credit Bam for a lot of it because I didn't even go to school with Bam when I was in high school, but we from the same high school. But when he found out I was a player and I was like the next up and coming at my school, he used to come back and pain me, you know what I'm saying, just to kill me. So he put that mentality in me, like, you great, man. You know what I'm saying? Go on the field. Act like you know you the man on the field. So when time I stepped on the field, it was just like, I'm that dude. So it was like, that's how I carried myself. <laughs> and then finally, man, I mean, when you when you think about the fact that you're a Hurricanes fan, you end up coming to Florida, you still see many of your legacy. I've been blessed enough to go on to the, uh, the Florida-Georgia game Hall of Fame. I've seen Keywan. I've seen Alex Brown. I've seen C4. D Webb, man, they got your number, man. If they call your, <laughs> they call your phone to say, hey, is this D Webb? Like, yeah, you've been inducted to the 20 whatever <laughs> Hall of Fame, man. I want to know one thing. Do you cry on that stage, D Webb? Ooh. <laughs> I can't say I won't. I can't say I won't because that's a big accomplishment, especially being from the crib. So I can't say I won't. <laughs> D-Webb, our guest here on 3 and Out. He'll be a part of the Florida-Georgia Legends Series coming up here in just a little bit uh, with Ben leading the roundtable here at the Westin on Jekyll Island. Come on out and see us, D. We appreciate it. Appreciate y'all for having me on. Thank you. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Live from the Westin on Jekyll Island, a beautiful Friday afternoon here as we get ready for the third annual Florida Georgia Legends Series. Ben Troop here with us, and Ben will be leading the roundtable coming up at 7 o'clock. Absolutely free uh, to come out and just enjoy all the fun uh, here at uh, the Westin on Jekyll Island in the courtyard. We encourage you to come out and just enjoy all the uh, the stories uh, that they're going to share here about this uh, Georgia and Florida game that uh, a lot of folks have come to, uh, to know and love. And Ben, I'll let you introduce our next guest and uh you were telling me some some tremendous stories uh about uh, about carlos but i'll let you bring him on the show here oh man my, my next guest our next guest is football royalty Let, I'm, I'm gonna do my best to remember it all just <laughs> g- give me a second university of florida hall of famer college football hall of famer when he left florida was the all-time leading receiver for the university of florida uh, uh, academic Hall of Famer, which I didn't even know was possible. <laughs> I sure was hell ain't an academic <laughs> Hall of Fame. Um, just, but, but this, but bigger than that, just a great human being, the great Carlos Alvarez. How you doing today, Carlos? Man, I'm doing great. Great to be with you here. Now, Carlos had one rule, uh, Kevin. When I, when I, when we was putting this thing together, I get on the phone, you know, country boy, you know, uh, under, you know, yes sir, no sir. So I'm going, how you doing, Mr. Car- Mr. Alvarez? How you doing, Mr. 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 <laughs> Carlos gets it, you can go through the whole phone call. Carlos says, just one, one, just one thing, big guy. Don't call me Mr. So I said, I said, okay, but, but Carlos, man, we, we, <laughs> but we, but, but we, we're here and, at the beautiful, uh, you know, Weston, uh, Jekyll Island for the uh, my third annual Florida Georgia Legend Series. Before we even get into the game, what are you most looking forward to for the uh, for the Florida, Florida Georgia Roundtable? Um, really hearing uh, hearing both sides, the players talk about uh, how they approach the game and, and their feeling about the game. You know, when it all said and done, the players sitting at that roundtable have more in common with each other. Than everything else, I mean, they have gone through the um, through the ordeal of getting ready for a game, for actually getting to that level of play and all of that, and they share more in common than anybody else. And sharing those stories um, is what I'm what I'm looking uh, forward to. I read um, 
I won't go into it, but um, his name is Buck Swindle. He was a defensive back at the University of uh, uh, Georgia. And uh, uh, I think you may know that ESPN did a, a documentary on me, and he was in that documentary. And I got his book, you know, and I started reading his book um, like I was reading your book. Uh, and, I, and, and, I, and I brought the book to, to, to show you. Uh, but in reading that book, he had stories in there that just blew my mind about things that I didn't know University of Georgia players were going through at the same time I was during that, that time. So really, it's just that. It's just really seeing what, uh, what was in the minds of the other players. Like, like him and I, we, we, we had a, uh, Buck and I uh, had uh, a situation where he was covering me. I won't go beyond that at this point. But what he was thinking at the time and what I was thinking at the time. And, and he shares it in the book, and, I, and it just kind of blew me away. So those kinds of stories, uh, it's really what, what, uh, kind of what I'm looking for. And I think it gives you an insight into the game, um, and you get to appreciate the game a lot more. And, and I mean that for everybody. Hey, Carlos, uh, Ben was kind of telling me uh, your story about uh, how you got to the University of Florida and uh, share some of that, how you got into football in the first place. Well, I, uh, I'm uh, Cuban-born. Uh, my family came here in 1960, about a year and a half after Fidel Castro came. I knew when we landed on a, on a ship, we, my, my, my mom and dad left everything behind. I have two brothers and a sister, left everything behind. Um, walked off the ship in Key West, my dad looked at us and said, we're never going back, which at that point, I didn't know. I thought we were, like, visiting. (laughs) And he said, we're never going back. And uh, he had gone to law school with Fidel Castro. So he had uh, a pretty good knowledge of what was going to go on with the island and all of that. So so we're never going back. So we love sports, but I was – Cuban. I was a baseball player. I, I, I love uh, baseball. But think about landing in 1960, and then in 1969, I was telling Ben last night, you know, nine years later, my first game with, at Florida uh, as a sophomore, freshman, couldn't play back then, third play of the game, I'm running down the uh, west sidelines on the third play of the game against the number one team in the nation, Houston, for a 70-yard touchdown pass. I mean, it's the, it's the American story, <laughs> you know. What what can you say? I mean, it's the best. It's sort of the best of America. America has many parts, but that is kind of the best of America. That nine years later, I'm running down there, and the reason I'm running down there is because I want to be an American. That's the reason I picked up football because it was my ticket to become an American. And luckily, I had uh, great mentors. That uh, you know, if we talk about how we got here, you're always going to talk about the people who helped you because there are a number of them that without them, I'm, I'm not here. But I had uh, the Boys Clubs, now Boys and Girls Clubs of America. They were, was one in my neighborhood. That was incredible. Um, I had uh, a coach named Rudy Freitas. I had, of course, my mom and dad, my dad, my brothers, all of those people helping me. And um, But that's how I got there. And, uh, in fact, the you know, when I was running, you know, some people have asked me, okay, so that third play, you know, you catch it. And you may relate to this, man. It says, what were you thinking? You know, 
after you caught it, it or you think it, you drop it or something. Right. I think I never thought about dropping it. I, it just that never crossed my mind. It's it's sort of like automatic. But the thing that did cross my mind is don't get caught from behind. I don't know why, <laughs> but I thought that was a disgrace if you got caught from behind. So um, that's my story, how I got there. I mean, I could talk forever on it, but um, it's been a it's been a ticket for me. And by the time by the time that that year was over, I was an all American. But I wasn't an American citizen, so um, I was still I was still a Cuban. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah so um, I still had uh, you know um, that to 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 look forward to. Now, Carlos, you know people people are given nicknames, right? And your nickname was obviously very very unique to you, given to you, you know, by the people you know asking you about what your nickname is. So please, please tell our listeners. Who your favorite, who your idol was growing up and what your idol's nickname was. So um, in that sophomore year, in the middle of the year, they're asking the, uh, uh, the information director at University of Florida, Norm Carlson, has this kid, have, does he have a nickname? You know, have you, you know, back then they used to give people more nicknames. You know, now they, it's not as much because, I don't know, there may be a little bit of a political correctness on that or something. But back then it was like, you know, you just got a nickname. And so, no, it was at a press conference, and nobody could think of, well, no, he hasn't been given a name. And some press person said, how about the Cuban Comet? And Norm Carlson said, yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> and that became, you know, next day, you know, he's the Cuban Comet. And then, of course, that name got picked up quite a bit. And because we played Miami at the end of the season and we went to the Orange Bowl, it was when a lot of Cubans showed up because I was like, I was a novelty, you know. Um, and so the Cuban Comet name absolutely stuck. So it wasn't until many years later that I found out that my absolute hero, and this is, this is no lie, my absolute hero growing up in Cuba was a baseball player named Mini Minoso. Um, and um, in, in Cuban, it's Mini Minoso. It says Mini Minoso, who was a, uh, any Chicago White Sox fan knows exactly who Mini Minoso is. And uh, a great player uh, who is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame because black players were not able to play in his younger years. If he had those years added in, he would be a walk-in to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. And it's really a shame that he's not. And I try to mention that whenever I can. And he was in the uh, – he was called the Cuban Comet, which I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so – when I learned this about 15 years ago, I was just like shocked that he made it. And I, and I actually called him up. And I never could get a hold of him because he was at, um, at a stage of his life that he was, he was about to die. I talked to a representative of him and, um, and told him that I would o always fight for many. Um, but how thrilled I was uh, that uh, we, my hero had the same name. And then I find out what... Physically, of course, he looked like a giant to me, but physically, he was exactly the same statistics as me. 5'11", 175. He was fast. He was faster than me. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, I mean, he, he said uh, he, he was a fabulous player. And um, so that's the story on the, the Cuban Comet. Carlos, you mentioned a few times that baseball was your first love. When you came to America, what did you know about American football? Nothing. If, nothing, nothing? I mean, nothing. I, I didn't even know what a, if you had shown me a football, 
I would have said nice, <laughs> but you know, shouldn't it be round? Yeah. Like a basketball. Um, I knew nothing about American football. So, so then I get, I, I go to, uh, in fifth grade, I, I, I go to a, a Catholic school, St. James Elementary. And in sixth grade, somebody says, um, you know, there's this boys club. And I said, this is great, you know. And they had, uh, you know, and it may still be the same, but you basically have three seasons. You have baseball season, you have basketball season, you have football season. So I started out, I remember I started out in the basketball season playing with the basketball team. And then I went into baseball, and I loved that. And then football started, and I went home because, my goodness, I don't even know how to put these things on. Or, and it didn't look like people were hitting each other and stuff like that. But then I thought, gosh, all my the friends I developed are playing it, so let me play. It was called, uh, you know, they do it by, by weight, so it's 95 and under, and you have to be below a certain age group. And um, so I did, and I started to play. And in that, in that, in an age group, it's still the same. Speed is what you want. <laughs> I was, I had some speed, so I actually became the quarterback. But I still didn't know English real well, because this is uh, this is not Miami now. This is Miami 1960, which means that nobody spoke uh, Spanish, and so everybody was speaking English. So I was kind of learning the language. So we developed, even though I was the quarterback, and you know, basically you get the ball and you run a sweep right or a sweep <laughs> left or something. And by the way, the first play, I didn't tell you this last night. You'll get a kick out of this. So we go to our first game, and I am the quarterback. I get the ball on the first play uh, after the kickoff, and we do a sweep right. And all of a sudden, things open up, and I am running for a touchdown. Except I don't know where the end zone ends and so because i'm not familiar with that and we were playing in the the opposite team and i ran all the way to a fence and touched the fence with the football <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my first football touchdown and uh boy, i had a i had a great game and i said this is a fabulous fabulous game it wasn't until the second game when we got our butts kicked in <laughs> that i realized Oh, karma here. <laughs> there can be bad things happening. And, Carlos, man, I think it's interesting when you say that football to you was how you was going to become American. Like, because in a sense, coming from Cuba and loving baseball and understanding, okay, I'm going to be a baseball player, many Minosa, these different things. You say, okay, if I want to be American, my ticket is this game of football that you see. But how much more did the game of football, outside of you looking at it, this is going to be my ticket to my, you know, my citizenship, how much more did the game of football teach Carlos Alvarez? Oh, gosh, taught me a lot. <clears throat> taught me a lot. I, I, I cannot uh, overemphasize that. And it is, um, you know, while for me it was football, it can be, I think, for uh, many individuals, something, it can be, you, you can do it in other sports, although I'm not as familiar with it, as obviously, as I am in football. It's when you get a group of people together for a common purpose, and you have to sacrifice to achieve that purpose. And that, the, and, and, and I mean sacrifice, I don't mean like a day or so, you have to put in uh, uh, you know, years really to get to the to that place, and it teaches you discipline. Uh, it it teaches you community in terms of having to rely on on each other, um, and uh, it teaches you really 
how to do hard work in order to 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 get ahead. Um, so, um, and I think I was relaying this story to you. Something that it, it just shows how it transfers. Um, you know, I ultimately my my knees gave out in college, and actually not playing football I was running track when this happened. But that's another story. So I end up. Uh, not not playing pro. Uh, I got drafted by Dallas, but I told them, really, why did you draft me? I, I just really can't play. But they said, well, why don't you take a year off, go to law school, because I was going to go to law school, and then we'll we'll talk again. And I said, that's great. I You know, it's very nice of you to, to do that. I mean, that's, you know, so I'll, I'll definitely do that. So when I went to law school, I thought, <clears throat> my goodness, I've been playing football for four years. These people have been studying for four years. Now, I did study at Florida, but, but you can see what, what I'm talking about. These people are, this is all they've ever wanted to do. But I thought, okay, you know, I struggled the first couple of weeks in classes, but I really thought these people will not outwork me. I know how to work. Yeah, and uh, it was really transferring what I had learned from, from, from football. I can outwork them, and I did. Uh, and I did. And, and uh, the success I had, I've had in that is really the discipline that comes from being an athlete uh, where, where you take that to a, to a higher level. Uh, and uh, so I think that that really was what football has done for me and what it can do for a, for a lot of people. And like I said, it's not only football, but in something that is, uh, uh, you know, in, in some other sport or in some other endeavor, uh, uh, you can achieve that if you put in the hard work. Carlos Alvarez uh, joining us here on uh, 3 and Out, and uh, we talked about your journey to get to the States and playing football. we got Georgia and Florida playing tomorrow. The first time they were telling you about Georgia, Florida, and you play in Jacksonville, were you like, what in the world is all this about the world's largest outdoor cognitive party? What was that first experience like for you when, when they were telling you about this game and you got a chance to go play in it? Well, um, it just shows my age, but, you know, this is a, this is a while back. So back then, freshmen couldn't play, right? So I didn't know that much about Florida, Georgia, being really from Miami. I knew, you know, Miami, Florida was a big rivalry. Of course, FSU, Florida, Miami. But I had seen this game. I had seen the Florida, Georgia, because that was a game that was always televised. Um, you know, even back then when television wasn't going around that much for all the games. So I knew about it. In fact, I had seen Steve Spurrier uh, hit Richard Trapp, one of the great receivers of Florida in the 60s, to win the Florida-Georgia game. I think it was in 67 or 66. And so I knew about, I knew about the game and the significance of the, of the game, but, um, but not the intensity of, 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 the, of the game. So when I was a freshman, we came to see the game sitting in the stands. So, uh, you know, we, we, we were the dummy team for the varsity. <laughs> and then we came. Uh, but, you know, Georgia back then just ran the ball. That's all they did is run the ball. So as a wide receiver, I didn't do much that week. Uh, and uh, so we come up to see the game, and it's a driving rainstorm, driving rainstorm. Um, and... Um, because they had, because Florida was having a bad year. One of the dumbest coaching decisions <laughs> ever. You, you, you're not going to believe this. One of the dumbest, even though I absolutely adore this coach, Coach Ray Graves, 
but but I don't know what drove him to do this. He took the offensive coordinator and made him the defensive coordinator. <laughs> took the defensive coordinator, made him the offensive coordinator for that game. The result of that game, fifty-three to nothing, Georgia wins. <laughs> in the in the driving rain, as I watch the incredible Jake Scott dominate a game, I have never seen that before. I have never seen that before. I have never seen that since. A safety dominate the game. I can see Herschel Walker dominating the game, but I can't see a safety. And I was in the stand totally drenched uh, (laughs) watching this game. And that's when I realized, my God, this is, you know, just what had happened there. So this will answer the question I asked you yesterday. So a week later, our the Florida freshman team is going to play the Georgia freshman team. and But that is played up in either Florida, uh, at Gainesville, or in Athens. So we go to Athens to play the Georgia freshman team. And, of course, the whole varsity is sitting there just taunting the hell out of us <laughs> because we just got killed. And it is cold as can be. I mean, and for a Cuban kid, it's even colder than that. It is just I'm freezing in this game and of course we have a great passing attack but it's beginning to sleet and by the second half it's beginning to snow in fact i had never seen snow and the snow's coming and i'm looking at it i'm going what is this (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was it was the most surreal experience and we grinded out a win we grinded yeah. out a win. Somebody's got it. It was just yeah. her. <laughs> so I say, somebody get me out of here. What is all this? Can you hang around for a few more minutes? Sure. We'll, we'll talk with uh, Carlos Alvarez when we come back. We are live at the Westin Jekyll Island. Coming out and join us. The uh, Florida Georgia Legend Series kicking off at 7 o'clock. Absolutely free to come and hear stories like that. Uh, Going to be a lot of fun. We'll come back with more three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back to 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, getting ready for the Florida-Georgia Legends Series. Uh, ben Troop and Kevin Thomas here with you as uh, those festivities will begin at uh, 7 o'clock. And, Ben, we continue chatting with college football legend or Florida legend Carlos Alvarez. And uh, I'll let Ben ask you about the football stuff. But you mentioned you grew up a baseball fan. We got the World Series. Of course, we were in Braves country. How much do you you follow the game uh, in, in 2021? I follow it some, but I don't follow it um... – the way I should. I mean, I know the Astros and the Braves are playing. Um, I don't know exactly who to root for for bo- both of those teams, um, but I but I still watch and really enjoy. I mean, really, they're great athletes, um, and um, I, I still enjoy the, the the kind of the insides of the game. Carlos, you were, you were a pioneer in a, in a lot of different ways. Obviously, definitely the first. Uh, you know, Cuban-born Florida Gator. But then academics was a huge part of your life, but a bigger part of your life, and I think what really made you ahead of your time was activism. You were a guy that said, look, man, you, your, your father taught you just, you know, you know, speak up for those who, who don't have a voice. Talk about the activism part of your life and how that's something that's really big with student athletes in 2021. Mm-hmm. Well, I played in, a, in an era that, um, you know, uh, you had to be active. There were so many things happening in that era, uh, which is, you know, the late 60s, early 70s. So you have, uh, you have the Vietnam War. Uh, you have the civil rights movement. 
um, you know, both of those being really the major cultural uh, things that are happening and a lot of a lot of discord in America around it. And, uh, you know, once you start dwelling into those issues, um, it's something that my dad taught me uh, early on that you need to be involved. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, uh, I was going to change the world, but I was going to at least be involved in the issues. And to some extent, uh, a little bit of the issues, and uh, I mean, to some extent, m- more than a little bit, it involved uh, athletics in the sense of uh, African-Americans were still not in the SEC. Uh, you know, they were in, in, in other schools, but not, but not in the SEC. And that was beginning to change. So when I was... Uh, when I came to Florida, um, there were no African-Americans in the team, which I actually, the 69 team, which is my first year, was the last white team uh, at the University of Florida. The next year, uh, but that year we had two, uh, Leonard George and Willie Jackson, who were um, uh, the first African-Americans to play at University of Florida, and then when uh, when then I was a junior, they were sophomores, and they, they played with us. In fact, Willie Jackson threw the block that helped me score the touchdown to beat Georgia in 1970. Um, it's, a, it's a great picture as Willie's coming around and blocking the last defensive back between me and the goal line. Um, so those are the kind of memories I have, but I felt I needed to be involved in those issues. And uh, so I did. So I spoke out at rallies at the uh, University of Florida about against the war. Uh, I got criticized by the university presidents saying that I was uh, there to try to, uh, you know, get publicity. Now, uh, and, and I have a letter from the university president that I still have where he threatened me um, about what I was doing. And um, I say the letter because I was so upset about the letter. And he was saying I was trying to get publicity. Well, I had just become a consensus All-American as a sophomore. Uh, the first time since, like, in 25, 30 years that anybody had become a consensus All-American. Why in the world would I need publicity, you know? Uh, and, and really, I wanted to kind of fade away. But I also, you know, spoke at these rallies and I was involved in, uh, with the uh, um, African-American students about getting a uh, – getting more African-Americans to be at University of Florida. It was in 1954 that uh, the Supreme Court issued the, you know, Brown versus Board of Education that said, you know, separate but equal is not right, and so you got to segregate. University of Florida, um, you know, 15 years later, has like 120 African-American students out of a student population of 20,000. Is that, is that fair or unfair? They have this Cuban guy who's running around catching passes, who's not an American citizen, and, <laughs> but no, no African-Americans. And the Cuban guy um, is watching African-Americans die in Vietnam. Is that fair? Uh, and, oh, gosh, you know, maybe we didn't have the African-American athletes back then. Well, if you go and check FAMU, uh, uh, you know, Florida A&M, they had a guy by the name of uh, Bob Hayes who tur- uh, coined the name the world's fastest Cuban. He was the Olympic 100-meter <laughs> champion. And I've talked to people at FAMU, you know, because they also had um, uh, Gilmore, who was uh, also played for the Chicago, um, uh, Chicago Bears. But they had a backfield that 
on, with pads. Bob Hayes was not the fastest guy. Just shows you that, I mean, the unbelievable backfield they had and the kind of African-American athletes that, you know, were being denied their choice of where to go. So anyway, there was a lot of stuff there. I did get involved. I'm, I got a lot of critique about it, but um, I also got a lot of praise, you know, over the years and stuff. And, you know, all said and done is really what my father taught me. He would not allow an injustice to to happen without at least becoming involved. And uh, the only thing I can say is at the end of the day, um, this comes from a movie called Schindler's List. And I don't know if, if you all know about that movie or what happened there, but it was about a, a, a guy who was German who helped a lot of Jews get saved from the Holocaust uh, by, by putting him into a factory and, and taking a lot of risk. And at the end, he, he was asked, but you did all this thing you know, how do you feel? And he says, I could have done more. And that's the way I feel. And, and it's okay. I mean, I'm not sad about it, but I, I feel that I could have done more. And, um, but I'm glad I did what I did. And, and, and Carlos, you know, when you, when you think about the fact that too, like you talk about like, uh, the, uh, the Alvarez legacy, uh, in America, um, your father taught you about people. He taught you how to love and, and being and being a voice for people but you know but you also had a love for athletics and academics your brother your brothers you know y'all all y'all went on to be lawyers you you told me and bj yesterday yeah i just went to duke law school <laughs> and we was like yeah 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 i was supposed to go to georgia tech and be an engineer <laughs> but no but no but what, but what i'm saying is you still have a love for people even even to this day like there are certain things that doesn't go away you talk about what you were know what you are how how does one maintain that enthusiasm to understand that look man i've been given a lot and i understand too much is given much is required you know ben i i i don't know i am full of gratitude and i know you are too and it's not something i have thought about it just comes within you all of a sudden you're full of gratitude i mean and i think it's when you see how fragile life is um that um that you know the the gifts that have been given to you and you know you've worked for some of them some of them have been there like i mentioned the coach rudy freitas you know a boys club coach that took me under his wing how the heck do you anticipate something like that and how when you're older, can you not appreciate that that was a gift to you um, and all the people that help you and that gratitude? And I think when you have that, you want to pay it back. You want to pay it back. You want to, um, and, and I noticed this with your book, how you, you want to pay it back. Uh, even though, you know, you come from a place that, you know, a lot of, Almost all of it. I mean, you've earned it yourself, but you still know that there's some people that were there at crucial times, and you want to be that person for people, uh, for people now. And that's kind of the way I feel. I I, uh, I really want to to help people, and in fact, that's really what I do now in my law, which is really uh, I I used to litigate all the time but now really i try to bring people together i call it collaborative i don't call it this this is a term for it collaborative justice which is really bringing people together um and uh and it's something that i see in the you know to the bigger issue of the united states and the kind of divisiveness that we have now um you know 
um, that we need to come together. We, we need to come together, and there's ways to do that, you know. Um, and, uh, but we need to start, we need to start, and I, and I tell people that we need to start this right away. Like when kids are in kindergarten, we need to teach them how to communicate with each other in a ways to resolve conflict conflict resolution kind of discussions and um, so that's what I'm into now uh, passing it passing it forward to to because of all the gifts that I've been given and uh, we'll see how it ends Carlos Alvarez our guest here on three and out I could talk for another two and a half hours unfortunately we don't have that much time he will be there with uh, with Ben and guests here on the uh, Florida Georgia Legends series the roundtable discussion the great Carlos Alvarez joining us here on Three and Out. Carlos, really appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. We'll come back Thank with more. We'll come back with more Three and Out live from the Westin on Jekyll Island, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Back it's Three and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, pull on the show. Welcome to Three and Out, Florida Georgia Legends Series. But again, just hearing all the stories and, uh, and hearing all the guys, really looking forward to uh, what's to come here this evening. Uh, and not just talking about this game in particular, but just football stories in general. It's always fun when you get a group of guys. And I was just telling Carlos during the break, it's it's through the the two that we've been able to do in person. We did one you know virtually, but uh, you see the the athletes are. As much as they want to talk football, it's like, oh, we talked earlier, Will McClendon was like, I came to, to meet Carlos Alvarez. And we saw in the year one, they're like, heck, man, I came to talk to that guy. I came to talk to that guy, you know, just to meet some of the guys that you might not otherwise cross paths with that you've heard about through stories, through games and things like that. It's the power of perspective. And and I really think if, you know, people are uh, driving around or listening at home and think, hey, should I? Yes, it's worth it. Come out and, and, and meet these incredible people and uh, listen to their stories, not only about football, but about but about life, and I think one of the really neat things uh, about uh, interviews, right, is 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 you learn about the person behind the face mask. And uh, this th- this rivalry has so many incredible moments, so many incredible uh, memories for so many people. But when you when you meet the person behind that moment, it's 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 really empowering. It's really inspiring to. To Kevin, think about what these student athletes have done, what they've now gone on to do as men, and just really looking forward to this. And Ben, of course, has done a remarkable sure. job bringing this all together. And the the beauty of of sports in general, BJ, is who writes their moment tomorrow? Who writes their moment in this series tomorrow? That's, that's, we've talked about this all week with the World Series. With now George Floyd, like there's a chance for somebody to write their story. There's a chance for somebody to write. It could be Jordan Davis. It could be Stetson Bennett. Who knows who it's going to be to have their uh, have their moment in this game. I mean, every Atlanta Braves fan knows Francisco Cabrera. You look at the totality of the Francisco Cabrera yeah, career, yeah. and you're going, "Eh, he was a okay. He was an okay to uh, you know to middling ball player, but has maybe one of the biggest moments in Atlanta Braves history uh, to his credit as well. Nobody saw that come. Of course, and and you know you think about games like the World Series. You think about games like uh, Florida Georgia. These are these are living legacies, and and looking forward to tonight. 
Looking forward to tomorrow, this weekend. Uh, but who's gonna who's gonna be the star tomorrow afternoon in Jacksonville? I mean, you think about a guy like Stetson Bennett, superstar quarterback, Pierce County High School, Blackshear, Georgia. You know, takes a takes a non traditional route to the University of Georgia and, and the starting job. And look at look at the couple of weeks he's had. Right now he's second in the nation in passer rating behind Grayson McCall, second in the nation, and has the number one passer rating against ranked teams of any quarterback in college football. Uh, what do we see from him tomorrow? The quarterbacks at Florida. Is it Anthony Richardson? Is it Emory Jones? What do these guys do with the opportunities they're given? And, Kevin, that's what makes all of this so compelling, man. It's, it certainly is. And, again, uh, looking forward to it, the Florida-Georgia Legends Series coming up here at the Westin on Jekyll Island. Right here we're getting uh, set up, ready to go, all the festivities starting at uh, 7 o'clock. Hope you'll come out. It's absolutely free. We have some folks walking around just enjoying the island. Say, No, just pull up a chair and listen and, and, and have the, uh, the, the tremendous uh, experience of listening to these guys share their their stories we'll come back we will have a pick on this game oh boy on georgia florida we'll put that down uh on paper ben wanted uh, me to tell you because i think he, re- he he was taking georgia 45 10 yes he was taking I, I told him he could pick florida with the points and you're still kind of sort of picking florida but we'll come back we'll do that next it's three and out here on the southern pigskin radio network coming to you live from the Westin on jekyll island Welcome back to 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, coming to you live from the Westin on Jekyll Island. Getting ready for the Florida-Georgia Legends Series. Willie McClendon, D.J. Jones representing the Dogs. Of course, Ben uh, hosting it uh, here with uh, Carlos Alvarez, Jeff Chandler, D. Webb, talking about the game, sharing stories about Georgia and Florida and all that entails. Absolutely free to come out and attend and enjoy in on all the fun. Uh, talk to the guys after it's over and uh, you know meet some of these guys and talk about their experiences. Uh, again, a whole lot of fun. Encourage you to come out and take part. All starting at 7 o'clock here in the courtyard at the Westin. Yes, and completely free. Uh, come, come visit, get a picture, get an autograph, listen to these incredible stories, meet these incredible people and uh, Ben's done a wonderful job with this a lot of legwork of course reaching out uh, to folks and uh, organizing things and uh, does it all in in stride and uh, just really excited for tonight really excited for all the content we're going to have here we'll have it you know on various social media channels espncoastal.com uh, all uh, this weekend so this is this is special this is something we're really proud of really excited about you know really uh, grateful for for uh, all that Ben has done and uh, for these guys for coming down and and then after that we have a, a World Series game by the way uh, just, we, yeah we, I just wanted to share that I, I almost forgot about that no I did not but uh, yeah the Braves game three maybe apparently the weather right. pretty bad up there in Atlanta we'll see if they if they get that in or have to move it back to I think it will go to Monday night uh, if they have to uh, to reschedule that but uh, we will get to the picks here uh, Ben is out so we will pick for him Sure. I think he did say you wanted to go. He said go dogs, I think. Is, yeah, he said uh, 45-10. Is, is what he said. But your pick, BJ, on uh, on this game. I do think you're going to see Florida come out and, and play with a spirited effort. You know, their season three losses has not gone the way they wanted it to go. This is a chance at redemption. This is a chance at uh, – changing the narrative and I think they're going to give Georgia everything they have I think you'll see Florida move the football some with some offensive unpredictability I don't think they'll get in the end zone I think Georgia keeps Florida at arm's length Kevin but I think the Gators will cover I think a little bit uh, closer than maybe some others do Uh, the Southern Pigskin preview I wrote I went with Georgia 30 Florida 19 kind of a weird field goal-ish type 
type type game for the Gators. I think Georgia wins comfortably, but I think Florida plays better than most people are anticipating. Thirty nineteen dogs. No, they did play well against Alabama. I just I, I look at the way this Georgia team is playing, and I, again I'm going to have to see it to to believe it. Uh, I'm not saying Florida won't play well. Uh, but give me the Georgia and the points. Uh, I'll lay the points uh, and pick the dogs to win this one. you got to give us a score, Kevin. Uh, I'll say, uh, what, 35-10. Okay. That would get me uh, in that window. So, uh, look, I, I, I'm not saying Florida can't do it, but I just don't see it. Georgia's playing really, really well. Top flight defense. How are you going to score? And, again, everybody we've talked to said if Florida's going to win, they got to play defense. they got to keep it in check. Okay, it's one thing to do that. But how are you going to score? You do have to put points on the board in order to get it done. So I'm going to go with Georgia, lay the points, and I think they win tomorrow down in Jacksonville. Florida Georgia Legends Series coming up here at 7 o'clock at the Weston on Jekyll Island. Come on out and join in on all the fun. Absolutely free. And here's some great stories from some of the legends of this tremendous game between the Dogs and the Gators. And we will see you wrap it all up on Monday. Get you caught up on the very latest with the World Series on Monday right here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.